Yes, indeed, there are more questions than answers. Like, why is there a D in fridge, but not in refrigerator? Hi, America. Hello, There's world. <laughs> what? My name is Adrian Lee, and I am your host. <laughs> Welcome to the show, More Questions Than Answers, the only paranormal quiz show anywhere in the world. Each week, my guests and I will search the world's newspapers, websites, and TV shows just for you. To bring you the very best in paranormal talk radio entertainment and enlightenment. We will then test each other's knowledge of the week's events of the mysterious, strange, supernatural, unusual, bizarre, and just plain weird. (laughs) Everyone, everyone held their breath. (sighs) If you have just tuned in especially to hear the show, then I admire your taste. If you have just tuned in by accident, then I admire your luck. I am huddled under my quilt with a large flashlight and a nice cup of tea with tonight's guests. Somewhere in the barren wildernesses of the Midwest Plains. With the sound of my elderly mother snoring distantly from the room next door. So snuggle under your covers, turn out your lights and hold on tight. The rules are very simple. Points will be awarded randomly for being interesting or for making me laugh or shiver in horror. Extra points will be available for shock and awe value. To help me control my rowdy panel of recidivists and reprobates, I will employ what I have called the inappropriate bell. An example of this would be... The panel have no idea what's coming, and I have no idea what stories they have for tonight's show. So let me introduce our guests. Firstly, the mysterious and Heather Vesson, Heather Morris. She's been a paranormal investigator for many years, with her own team called Hellhound Investigations, and does all of her best work in the shadows. She is now one of the leading audio and EVP experts with the International Paranormal Society, and brings her knowledge and research skills to tonight's show. Heather loves this time of year because her favourite clothes are scarves and gloves. She also likes a sweater but I prefer a screamer or a moaner myself. Oh. Welcome to the show, Miss Morris. Oh <laughs> Hello, I had too much coffee. You have. It's going to be dangerous. The next hour <laughs> could be very problematic. Yep. She sat there buzzing. Your pupils are dilated. Yep. You're jumping up and down. I know. You're shaking. It's wonderful. How much have you had? Five cups. Oh, <gasps> gee. It's going to be a long night, mister. <laughs> I also wish to introduce the mad and crazy Michelle Corey. Michelle was born and raised in Moira, Minnesota, and has a keen and avid interest in all things paranormal. Michelle has always been told to live her dreams, but she doesn't want to be naked in an exam she hasn't revised for. (laughs) Welcome to the show, Michelle. Thanks. It's great to be back. 
It is Series 2, Episode 81. 81 is a little rough around the edges. He wears a leather jacket and rides a bike, but still found time to revise for his school exams. 81 is the symbolic number for the Hells Angels, as H and A are the eighth and first letter of the alphabet, respectively. I had a biker friend that was a gynecologist, and he gave up his medical practice because he was obsessed with motorbikes and he wanted to be a motorbike mechanic. So he went to Harley Davidson Mechanics Seminar and after months of training, he had to sit a final exam. They sat him down in front of a Harley Davidson engine and he grabbed his tools and he had to work on the engine with all the other people in the exam room doing exactly the same. But he discovered he was a lot slower than his fellow classmates. He was still working on the valve covers when everyone else was busy removing the cylinder heads. Finally, he managed to put the engine back together barely in time before the exam finished. He went up to the teacher and he asked, how did I do? And the teacher said, you scored 150 points out of 100. And he said, how's that even possible? And uh, the teacher then said, well, it breaks down like this. You get 50 points for correctly taking the engine apart. 50 points for putting it all back together again. And then an additional 50 points for doing it all through the exhaust. <sighs> That's my best material. I love this show. Have I mentioned this before? I love this show. You're killing my buzz. 81. <laughs> I promise to not touch your buzz for the rest of the evening. How does that sound? <laughs> no one's ever told my buzz. me. Harshing my mellow. <laughs> What can I say? I can only promise not to mess around with your buzz for the rest of the evening. I want a t-shirt saying I'm not messing with your buzz. All right. 81 is the atomic number of thallium, which incidentally is what I'm going to be putting in your tea. (laughs) Thallium is a heavy metal once used for rat poisoners. It's been prohibited in the United States since 1972 due to safety concerns Mm. the british serial killing poisoner graham young was particularly fond of thallium he was also known as the teacup poisoner nice would you like a cup of tea miss morris (laughs) no i'll do you a nice cup of tea no we'll make you a cup of tea no nice cup of tea no nice hot milky cup of tea no do you want a cup of tea no i'll make you a cup of tea no thank you I went into a coffee shop and asked how much the tea was. The waitress replied, $4. And I said, well, how much is a refill? And she said, they're free. So I said, great, I'll take the refill. Oh. 81. 81 is the international direct dialing code. We haven't done this for a while, have we? No. Do you know why? All the dialing codes for the last 10 to 15 episodes have been small little islands no one's ever heard of. They're all, probably listening. All around the south. If someone's listening... In West Timor, then they need to write in because I find that <laughs> hard. To, East Timor, I can believe, but West, West Timor, yeah. not so much. But this is uh, Japan, apparently. 81 is Japan. Huh. They, of course, opened up a Disneyland in Tokyo, Japan, but no one is tall enough to go on the rides. Oh. Each week, I read out the mailbag. I love reading all of our listeners' messages. I love reading all the emails we get from all over the world. Thanks. Cindy in Minnesota posted, what a gem of a show you have. The warm, fuzzy feeling of waiting to hear what comes out of your mouth next leaves a person wanting more. What a gift you have. You are all so funny. Michelle and Heather are also 
hilarious. That's great, isn't it? Thank yes. you, Cindy. I like the fact that I'm making people warm and fuzzy all over the world. That makes me very happy. I shall make you a nice <laughs> cup of tea. Jay, oh, first one of the night. People in Japan are now drinking heavily. No thallium. <laughs> no thallium. Jay in Connecticut has written, this is far the best show on dark matter. And I actually really? promised him, I promised him three points. So Jay has started the show on three points. Of course, we're on dark matter, digitalnetwork.com, starting at eight o'clock central time every Friday. Joshy wrote to Heather and said, hi, Heather. You sent me this, didn't you? You cut and pasted this for me. Hi, Heather. I love listening to the show every weekend on Dark Matter. It's awesome to hear all of the laughter and ongoing in the world. And that Adrian guy is kind of cool. Okay, he's really cool. Keep up. (laughs) I swear I don't know these people. Put that in. (laughs) Keep up the great work. He also says I'm intelligent, handsome, funny. No, I made all that up. That's not true. (laughs) Kathy in Minnesota posted, listen to the show this week when you spoke about the Birch Cooley investigation. Amazing, she's written. Finally, Rhonda in California simply put, I go on in the mornings and I smile and laugh. It makes for a positive rest of the day. That's very kind of you, Rhonda. We appreciate those words. Other people have written, many people were very supportive of Scott last week. Um, Tim in Minnesota suggesting that we should fund his therapy. That's difficult to say. (laughs) Fund his therapy is almost impossible for someone with a Cockney accent. We need to start a GoFundMe site because I did promise. I promise now not to bring this up. We won't mention by the light of the silvery moon again. That won't pass my lips because I wouldn't want Scott to be uh, singing that in his head. I thought by the light of the silvery moon was his favorite. It's one of his best I know yeah. he's got it on his iPod. He has all the classic hits of 1913. That, that's the number one on the iPod, wasn't it? By the Light of the Silvery Moon. Yes, I wouldn't want him. <laughs> no one on this show wants to remind Scott of anything to do with any of those things. So uh, we'll promise not to bring that up. You can listen to our archives. If Scott wishes to listen to last week's show where we promised not to bring up By the Light of the Silvery Moon. You can go to our archives, soundcloud.com, and search for MQTA Radio. No coffee for you, just tea from now on in. No tea. And all of our shows over the last three years are on there. You can listen to those while you're in the car, while you're in the gym, walking the dog, or landing aeroplanes in Lake Superior. I like the fact that we can use the show as our own personal torture device. This is true. If anyone wants me to read out anything malicious, you be sure to let me know. We can also be rude and miserable and detrimental on iTunes. We can be particularly vindictive on tuning radio. And you can also find us on Stitcher if you wish to listen to our jibes and various comments on there. If you can't find us in our archives, then you've only got yourself to blame we have a youtube channel more questions and answers with adrian lee with some very funny outtakes we are of course live on dark matter radio every friday night starting at eight o'clock central time you can write to me on my twitter account at adrian underscore lee underscore tips that's t-i-p-s for the international paranormal society we have eighty-five thousand followers 
on there at the moment with Halloween coming up very shortly. Halloween. You may be interested. Halloweeners. <laughs> you may be interested in my book, Mysterious Minnesota. Digging up the ghostly past at 13 haunted sites, real ghost investigations, real evidence, photographs, urban legends. That's a fabulous, fabulous book. Took me many years to write. Mm-hmm. I've had some great reviews on Amazon, so I appreciate all of those things. I have some news. No one knows about this yet. This is new today. This is the first time this has ever been announced. I'm going to do it now on the radio. I have a book coming out. <gasps> I was writing this book. It took me three to four years of investigations. Every investigation we've spoken about on this show is going into a book. It's written about everything's researched. I do all the historical research, as you know, if you've listened to us over the last few years. I have a book coming out. It is coming out and being launched on the 31st of October. Yay. When would a paranormal investigator have a book out than the 31st of October? This is the first time the title of this book has been released because we'd been working on this title for some time. The title of the book, this is coming out next month. It's taken my team and myself many many years to put this together it's called mysterious midwest unwrapping urban legends and ghostly tales from the dead that's awesome i like it a lot i would tell you a very interesting story that one of the chapters in that book the second chapter is on jackson it's a town in southwest minnesota that's very haunted and we investigated the pioneer village we've spoken about that on previous shows Mm -hmm. we investigated the only hope cabin it was the first death recorded in the whole of jackson county in Mm -hmm. 1854 it was a mail carrier that got caught out in the snow and died in a blizzard and i investigated that particular site and he came through i think that's probably one of the oldest ghosts i've ever spoken to in this country i can't think of anyone i've engaged with in dialogue via the equipment or psychically before 1854 but I'd have to check that. But I'm sure that's the case. We also did an investigation at the Loon Lake Cemetery. Yes. And the Loon Lake Cemetery was very famous for having the witch's curse. It was mm. believed a witch had her head cut off and they placed her body in the casket. And there's a curse. If you jump over a grave three times, you will be cursed. You won't see the day out. And Legend there's been various squisher. urban legend. Legend squidger. Legend squidger when you squash my legend. This is true. David Ellefson, he is the founder and bass player of Megadeth. Huge band, sold millions and millions of records all over the world. Mm-hmm. He was born in Jackson. Yeah. He had read my first book, Mysterious Minnesota. Nice. And he's interested in ghosts, urban legends and history. Mm-hmm. He found out that in this book that's coming out, I do an investigation at the Loon Lake Cemetery and I actually talk to Mary Jane to Williger, the witch, allegedly, that they beheaded. She right. came through. I've got a picture of her standing in the graveyard, all dressed in white. Yeah. It's coming out in the second chapter of my book. He was very interested in this legend because back in 1988, they were writing songs for their third album, and he took Dave Mustang out there. They visited the Loon Lake Cemetery. The wind was blowing through the trees. Everything was very haunting. And they inspired them to write the song Mary Jane. It's a famous Megadeth song called Mary Jane. They play it at all of their live gigs. And he said to me, I will write a foreword to your book, 
Nice. Based on that yeah. Loon Lake investigation. So I have a book coming out. This is the first time I've mentioned it anywhere. It's called The Mysterious Midwest, Unwrapping Urban Legends and Ghostly Tales from the Dead. And there's a foreword by David Ellison of Megadeth. This makes me very happy. It should. I will talk to people on the air. I will mention in the next few weeks when it's actually available to pre-order. It's not actually been printed yet. It's going off to press this weekend and it needs to be printed. But this is good news. This makes me very, very happy. I also want to mention that we have an investigation that public can come to in Viola in Iowa. It's an abandoned school. This is the 22nd of October. If you've always wanted to go on a paranormal investigation in a haunted building, crammed full of history, it's a derelict school in a small town called Viola. We have the run of the entire school. It's $30 for the entire day's events. There's lectures, talks, they'll have all the equipment. There's members of my team, the International Paranormal Society, going to be there. If you've always wanted to go on a paranormal investigation, if it's on your bucket list and you're anywhere near the Iowa area of Viola, I would recommend that you go on that. That would be a fabulous opportunity. And if you recall, many, many episodes ago, we discussed what happened in the gymnasium of that building where we had a coach come through who said he was dead, obviously. But if you're interested, go on to our Facebook site, More Questions Than Answers, with Adrian Lee. And you will find the details of that investigation. That's the 22nd of October in Viola. It's an abandoned school with members of my team. It's $30 for the entire evening. So make sure you get along to that if you have an interest in history and the paranormal. One more thing I'm going to plug before we move on with the show. I do talks for MUFON. MUFON is the Mutual UFO Network. They're a worldwide global organization, very well respected. If you report a UFO sighting to the police... They will refer you to MUFON. They have field researchers. They will take your details and they will interview you and send people out to investigate all of your UFO sightings. They sponsor the show. I'm doing a talk on the 8th of October. So Saturday, the 8th of October, I'm going to be in the New Brighton Centre in New Brighton, Minnesota. It starts at about 1.30. I'm giving a talk. As you know, my background is that of an art historian originally and all my qualifications back in the day in art history. My specialism was the early Italian Renaissance and I started to see UFOs in frescoes and paintings that were done in the 13th and 14th centuries throughout the Mediterranean, around Italy and Greece, in churches, in chapels. And I started seeing UFOs painted in the background. So I'm going to give a talk on October the 8th in the New Brighton Centre, Minnesota, one thirty. I believe we're going to make a start. It's only going to be about $5 to get in. And I'm giving a talk for two hours on UFOs in Renaissance art. And I will show slides. I will show examples. I'll talk about why they're there, how I think they came about. And then there's going to be a question and answer session where we're going to discuss ghosts and UFOs. Are they the same? I've actually got a book. I'm writing a book. My next book after the one that's coming out at the end of October is going to be Ghosts and UFOs. Are they the same? So if people are interested in all of those things, they're welcome to go to our Facebook site, More Questions Than Answers with Adrian Lee, and we will post details of all of those wondrous opportunities. We did an investigation last weekend. Yes. On Friday night after the show, we went out to Wood Lake Battlefield. Wood Lake is a battlefield site in Yellow Medicine County, going out towards South Dakota, West Minnesota, 
it was the anniversary of that battle was that friday night Mm-hmm. In 1862, it was the Sioux Uprising. It was the final battle of the Sioux Uprising. It was the battle that dictated that the Native Americans lost and they pushed them into South Dakota and up into Canada. So it was a very decisive battle. Many lives were lost. We went out there, windswept, dark, black and inky, sat there with the grasses of the prairie whistling around us. Mm-hmm. The leaves rustling in the trees, very spooky, on the anniversary of the battle. Do you remember the drumming? We took drums with us. This is becoming a rather useful tool to me, that we start banging drums in the middle of a field, in the prairies, in the middle of nowhere, on the anniversary of the battle. And the atmosphere completely changed, didn't it? It did. When we sat out there initially, it was very calm, very peaceful. I didn't think we'd get anything come through. We started banging drums in a Native American fashion and the entire atmosphere changed. It got very oppressive. I felt nauseous. There was energy building up. The sky almost lowered itself on top of us like a really dark grey army blanket. The whole atmosphere of that battlefield completely changed. We turned on the ghost box and a gentleman came through and he said his name was John. I asked for his last name and he said Nan. And I'm thinking, well, that sounds Scottish to me. What's your ancestry? And on the ghost box, the guy said, I'm Scottish. And I said, what's your wife's name? And he said his wife's name was Maggie. I discovered that the guy that was running the Sioux Agency back then in 1862 and had to do a quick run-up because of the Sioux Uprising, they were going to get slaughtered and they got given a tip-off. His name was John Nairn. He actually ran the Sioux Agency there and they had to run very quickly to Fort Ridgely. Just to survive, just to take shelter. And if you recall, he said his wife was called Maggie. Well, I looked up the records and his wife was called Magdalene. And I thought she would have used Maggie. (laughs) So you would think, wouldn't you, historically, that you would be called Maggie. So I found that remarkable. That was interesting that we went out there on the anniversary of the battle, banging drums. And we got the guy that ran the Sioux Agency in that area come through and talk to us and he really existed i found his historical details then on saturday we went back to the poor farm which is the museum in redwood falls used to be the poor farm back in the day Mm -hmm. where people would go if they was down and out and destitute or widowed or injured in the civil war and they could be looked after a really early form of social welfare i discovered that a lady hung herself in one of those rooms in 19 21 her name was louisa bott and i had all of her details and i went there with a very small team and pat who runs the historical society there the curator led us in to do a small investigation i could talk about this for hours but i'm just going to give you the highlight she hung herself she was in her 80s she hung herself in that room and i said well how did you hang yourself what did you hang yourself from and she said to me psychically that she was standing on the bed and she tied a cord around her neck and hung herself from the pipework. And I then turned on the ghost box and I said, did you hang yourself? She said, yes. I said, what did you hang yourself with? And she actually said a sheet at that point. It came Uh. through. And she then said the word neck. And I said, so how did you hang yourself? And she said, the pipe. So I'm getting this all backed up. Everything I've got psychically, I've now got backed up via the ghost box empirical evidence stuff you can listen to stuff we can play on the show now they had a suspended ceiling do you know when you put the foam tiles on and the strip Mm -hmm. lighting and it's all you know modern 
One of my investigators, a gentleman named Brian, that we mention regularly on the show, he's a psychic and a team leader with his wife Pat from Rochester. And uh, he's a rather tall gentleman. I'd say he's probably six foot four, maybe six foot five, if he's wearing heels. <laughs> and I said to the curator, do you mind if we lift one of the ceiling tiles up and shine a flashlight and just see what's behind the ceiling tiles? And she said, no, that's fine. So we lifted up the ceiling tile. There was a five inch diameter pipe, water pipe, running the whole length of that wall underneath those ceiling tiles that she didn't know was there so we couldn't have seen that and this woman said she'd hung herself from that pipe and we didn't see any pipes until we lifted up the ceiling tiles all the hairs on the back of my neck went up i found that remarkable that's cool this is the reason we do this right mm -hmm. this is just a joy just to add another layer before we uh, move on with the show john nan at the sioux agency and his wife magdalene had to have help taking their children to Fort Ridgely. And there was a girl that lived on the next farm to the Sioux Agency. And she was 18 years old and she carried the children on her back and helped them move to Fort Ridgely. And that was Louisa Bott. She was the same wow. person who then hung herself in Redwood Falls oh, wow. all those years later. It's remarkable how all these things feed into one another. There's no such thing as a coincidence, is there? But that was quite the weekend for us. That's remarkable that all those things come together. I love writing about history, and I love sharing with you all of our experiences of those adventures. There is a show dying to get out. The first round is Ghosts and Hauntings. Everyone's on zero at the moment except Jay, who's running to an early lead with a tremendous three. This is the terrifying moment the corpse of a child saint who died 300 years ago appears to suddenly open her eyes. Tourists were visiting the Cathedral of Guadalajara in Jalisco in Mexico, where the preserved remains of Santa Innocencia, that's St. Innocence, a little girl are encased in glass. Michelle, you might want to pray to her a bit more often. One visitor <laughs> was filming the tour of the holy building on his camera when he captured the moment she appears to open her eyelids. The frightened footage was posted on YouTube, where it has been viewed nearly a million times. At first sight, the corpse, which has been wax-treated for preservation and whose face hasn't decayed in 300 years, looks like a statue. But as the camera pans up and down the body, it focuses on the face before the dead girl seemingly opens her eyes. Many viewers have called it out as being fake, but others believe it may be a sign. There are many different stories about how the girl met her early demise. The most popular version is that she was a Mexican girl who wanted to make her first communion with classmates, but it was strongly forbidden by her father. But she was invited to be included by the nuns in her school, and when her dad found out what she had done behind his back, he stabbed her to death. The locals took the body and she was returned to the cathedral where she was laid to rest and became symbolic as a silent witness of a girl's deep love for Christ. Surely the story can be verified by looking at the body to see if there's stab wounds. Do you I see what I mean? So. If they are allowed to have access to it, I'm sure it's in a glass sarcophagus or laid out in a wake where you probably wouldn't want to be messing around. Well, you could x-ray the body. or I'm sure a yeah. thermal imaging 
camera would perhaps identify marks on the body perhaps i don't know why well they've got it's all one temperature well they've got filters on them that's the point my thermal imaging camera has filters on it and you can pick out different depths it doesn't have to show just hot and cold does it there's filters on that camera that would show i get that i understand that (laughs) thermal yes latin it's excellent (laughs) i'll be thermally new in a minute (laughs) I should give myself points for being informative and knowing about thermal imaging cameras. Uh Miss Morris, what have you got for me tonight in the round of ghosts and hauntings? Well, I have an elderly woman has reportedly been living in her home for 20 years without noticing that her son's dead body was inside the house. Oh, my God. What that suggests, of course, is when her son was alive, he sat around and did absolutely nothing. (laughs) Well, he never did the washing up. He never helped with housework. He just sat there watching the TV. You're going to find out. A oh. relative of the New York woman, Rita Wolfenson, went to her Brooklyn home to get some of her belongings to take them to her in hospital when she made a grim discovery of a completely intact skeleton on the second floor bedroom. He's never looked better. Did he have Xbox in his hand? Oh. No. The remote no, control no. 20 for the years, TV. 20 20, years. Oh, okay. It's an it Atari. might have been Pong or something. Yes. <laughs> Atari. <laughs> it's an Atari console. A police source reportedly told the New York Post while the body was decomposed, it was evident the corpse was still wearing jeans, socks, and a shirt. A Nirvana shirt. <laughs> lying on its back on a thin mattress on the floor. What? It's like some reverse psycho scene, a law enforcement right. officer told the Post. But things might not be as creepy as they sound. They do sound creepy. Yeah. I know, right? It wasn't winking at you, was it? I don't think so. Wolfenson is reportedly legally blind oh. and a hoarder. Oh. One police source reportedly said it was like a garbage truck had dumped its load inside. You know what that means, don't you? She didn't recognize the fact that her house smelled of rotting bodies. Pretty right. much. Because yeah. everything smelled but of rotting bodies. But wouldn't she miss the boy? I'm just saying. Uh, well, we get into oh, that in okay. a little bit, too. When police questioned the woman, she allegedly spoke of her dead son as if he simply moved out a long time ago. I wish he'd call around more often. He never calls <laughs> he never his mother. Writes. How does it take to make a phone call? He treats his place like a hotel. He's in and out. I never see him. He, he could have just called his mum. We're all worried about him. Wolfenson has lived alone since her husband died in 1987. And Where is he? Brother, in the basement? Yeah. <laughs> And her brother, Joseph Bachman, told reporters he was not as close with his sister. But he has reconnected with his estranged sister after suspicions were raised about the ailing woman's state when mail began to pile up outside and the phone went unanswered. It's believed she's now being cared for in a nursing home on Long Island. The Post reports that Wolfenson had two sons, Michael and Lewis, and Michael died in 2003 at the age of 38, and Lewis had not been seen by relatives in 20 years. How comes, what I'm now asking is how he died. If he was laying on a mattress and he's in his 20s or 30s, how did he then die? Well, I it doesn't really actually say how old he is. It's just 20 or 30, well, 20 years ago he died. Died, okay, I'm with you. However, this is not the first case of a person living with someone who's dead inside their home. In 2014, the skeletal remains of Kenneth Brown found in an armchair by a neighbor after 
His reclusive son, Timothy, failed to report the death to police. And an inquest found that Timothy, 59, lived with his dead father's body for up to four months until a neighbor saw him watching television with the skeletal remains propped oh. up in the chair and oh. dressed in pajamas. I remember nice. that. They looked through the window. Yeah. Some kids, I think, looked through the window. And there's a an emaciated skeleton watching the television. Right, in pajamas. Yep. That's right. And here's another one. In that same year, so 2014, an Argentinian man, Claudio Alferi, 58, was found dead in his Buenos Aires home. And next to him was the body of his mother, Margarita. The woman appeared to have died 10 years earlier, but the body was not buried. And investigators said it appeared the corpse was an active part of Claudio's routine. Oh. oh, wow. Oh, bring the quality of the show down, why don't you? Morbid. Love it. What's Halloween? Pa- I'm wondering what... You're going to be part of my routine, madam. <laughs> Welcome on Let's board. get that thallium in you. There. <laughs> Brought she... me up behind the mic. <laughs> the thing about thallium is if it's administered over a prolonged period of time, it's incredibly difficult to detect, and your hair will start falling out, mm-hmm. and your teeth will start falling out, and mm-hmm. you will get heavy metal poisoning. But it's almost impossible to detect if you do it in small amounts. Cup of tea, madam? Would you like a nice cup of tea? I've noticed your hair lately. Oh, my. <laughs> yes, and I'll be rec- I'll be noticing your teeth shortly. How's that going down? Wow. Oh. Bring up the hair wide, don't you? That's a shocking state of affairs. I shall give you minus two. <laughs> Two sisters claim a ghostly face appeared in their wedding selfie featuring a dead queen who once stayed at the venue. That's not Freddie Mercury, by the way. The pair claim they were freaked out when they spotted the face of Queen Charlotte in the picture, but can't show the bride through fear of ruining her big day. Jessica Smith, 25, was taking photographs of her and her boyfriend, Jody Rudland, along with the newlyweds at the reception at the Bear Hotel in Devizes in Wiltshire. But when her older sister, Kate, 36, was looking through the snaps the next day, she claimed she noticed an extra pair of eyes peering out from above Jessica's head, which she claims turned to look at the camera between photos. Kate believes the ghostly face bears an uncanny resemblance to the former queen and wife of George III, who said she had a similar hairstyle and is said to haunt the hotel after lodging there in 1817. Jessica, a florist from Chippenham, Wiltshire, said, I didn't even notice it at first. Kate pointed it out, and now it's the first thing I notice. She turns her head and even moves around. To be honest, I watched a lot of horror films, but it does look like something. We haven't shown it to my sister because it would really freak her out. I love all of the supernatural, but she doesn't, and I wouldn't want to affect her memory of her wedding day. Mama 3 Kate, a sales assistant who now lives in Belfast, was the first to spot the spooky face in the photo and showed it to Jessica. Kate said the pictures went straight onto Facebook, so when I saw them on there I thought it was a fifth person in the photo. I saw it straight away. In some of the photos she is not there, but in others she changes direction of the way she's looking. People have said that the pub is supposed to be haunted by Queen Charlotte. I googled her. In all of the images, her hair was just like the picture, and it reminds me of her. I am often sceptical of pictures of ghosts. It could be light or condensation, but the other pictures show her still there and that she's moving. 
Lee Fenn, general manager of the Bear Hotel, says that the legend is Queen Charlotte haunts the building and was lodging there in 1817. He said that those who had seen the apparition describe her as wearing an off-the-shoulder dress with long lace cuffs and a wide skirt. Lee said, I'm quite a sceptic when it comes to ghosts. It would take an awful lot to convince me, and I've never seen a picture that convinces me yet. If you wish to see that photograph for yourself of Queen Charlotte, the wife of George III, haunting the Bear Hotel in Devizes in 1817, you can go to our Facebook site, More Questions Than Answers, with Adrian Lee. All of tonight's stories and much, much more are there for you in glorious Technicolor. I have a wondrous an amazing story to tell you about this particular image. I was an art historian. I mentioned this at the beginning of the show. Mm-hmm. I used to find amazing paintings and amazing drawings by famous masters in art history by going through junk shops in Britain and Europe. I could go through all of the old paintings, all of the old drawings, and 99% of them in a junk or antique shop would be useless, would be naive folk art, not worth anything. Now and then, I would stumble across an artist's work and I would recognize it do you know when you get an envelope or a letter come through the post and you know just by looking at the address on that envelope who's written to you Mm -hmm. like it's a birthday card from your mother for example I do that with paintings I recognize artwork drawings and paintings almost like you would recognize someone's handwriting so I found drawings by Pizarro the famous post-impressionist artist I found Paintings by William Etty, a famous painter from the 1830s in Britain. I have found artwork by masters in junk shops just by recognising styles and recognising their work. I found, back in the day, a very, very early portrait of a woman done by Sir Thomas Lawrence. And Sir Thomas Lawrence was the court painter to George III. Now, this is a very interesting story. Sir Thomas Lawrence... His parents owned the Bear Hotel in Devizes. And when he was a little boy, as we now have discovered, George III, who was the king that gave away the Americas, and you must have seen the film The Madness of King George. He went a bit mad in later life. He stayed with his wife, Queen Charlotte, in the Bear Hotel in 1817. And they met Sir Thomas Lawrence, little Tommy, when he was a little boy, And he did drawings for the king and the queen, and they said they were fabulous drawings. He later, when he grew up, went to the Royal Academy in the 1820s, 1830s, where Turner, Constable, Mm. Gainsborough, Blake all studied. They were his teachers. He then became so successful that he was the court painter to George III and Queen Charlotte in later life. And he painted the most famous painting of Queen Charlotte. It's hanging up in the National Gallery in London. And Sir Thomas Lawrence collected artwork from all over the world. And when he died, he bequeathed all of that artwork to the National Gallery. And he founded the National Gallery, the British Art Collection. That existed because he left his artwork and they then needed a place to house it. And all of the paintings that started off the National Gallery were part of his private collection. And I have stayed because I found a Sir Thomas Lawrence painting I then did research on him, and I stayed in the very room in the Bear Hotel in Devizes, Wiltshire, 
that this took place. And I've been in this hotel and I stayed in the room that was the family room that Sir Thomas Lawrence grew up in back at the beginning of the 19th century. Did you take a selfie? I had no such things at the time. <laughs> this was in the 1990s. Selfies just did not exist. <laughs> Isn't it remarkable that they met him as a little boy yeah. and they said, oh, you're doing good little drawings. And then he then went on to study at the Royal Academy and be the court painter to George III. And then remarkable that Queen Charlotte should appear in this photograph as a ghost. And I've stayed in this very room. It's a small market town in Wiltshire. This is remarkable. Cool. In fact, Queen Charlotte wasn't very happy with Sir Thomas Lawrence because he painted her too realistically. Oh. And he painted her looking tired and very gaunt. And he also painted her with a red nose. And that indicated that she was taking a lot of snuff. Oh. And she wasn't very happy that as the Queen... He painted her with a red and rosy nose, indicating that she was taking snuff or hmm. sniffing other substances, perhaps. Hmm. We move into the round that is UFOs and cryptozoology, Miss Morris. The 55-year-old who ended up in court insisted he hadn't been attempting to travel through time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry I tried to travel. What law is he breaking? What is he breaking here? Show me where it says you're not allowed to travel through time. Wearing a loud shirt between the hours of darkness. If he had a time machine, he wouldn't need to be in court, would he? Oh, uh, that's true. He'd make it not happen. The distinctive gull-winged DeLorean oh, vehicle. Oh, DeLorean. yes! which was immortalized by Back to the Future movies, is a popular collectible among enthusiasts, including father of two, Nigel Mills, who had been traveling to work in his 22,000-pound DeLorean on Wednesday when he was caught by police and a speed gun going about 88 miles per mile. <laughs> he was trying to get back to the professor. I'd love to see the end of that film where he's in the town square and he gets stopped by the police as he's revving up to 80 miles an hour. Well, he said, I can honestly say I wasn't trying to time travel. He later told Kelmsford Magistrates Court it was at 11 a.m. on Sunday and the road was completely clear. I saw the guy with the speed gun and thought I better check my speed. And lo and behold, the letter turns up. The iconic sports car was manufactured by John DeLorean's DeLorean Motor Company between 1981 and 1983 and was picked for use in the movies due to its metallic, futuristic appearance. It was an absolute dog, apparently. Terrible mm -hmm. electrical systems, terrible handling, everything breaking down. Fortunately for him, however, the court hearing was ultimately thrown out due to lack of evidence. Lack Yay. of evidence. I shall give you points for being informative. You're back. Time travel. On zero. <laughs> Michelle, what have you got for me tonight in the round of UFOs and cryptozoology? Scientists solve the mystery of the singing fish. It's singing? Yes. Is there a whole school of singing fish? It's the school choir. Oh. See, I got there in the end. Back in the 1980s, California houseboat residents have reported hearing a strange humming noise at night. Big mouth bass? I think so. <laughs> Big mouth bass. <laughs> Shirley Bassey. Bass. Were they singing Hey Big Spender by any chance? I hope so. Did they have to tuna? Oh. <laughs> the moment he swam in the room. <laughs> bum, bum. Great. That's terrible. Resembling the low Don't hum of a ship's foghorn on a particularly misty evening, the peculiar sound prompted 
exclamations ranging from broken sewage pipes. <laughs> That's that be the whistling, singing, broken sewage pipes. They're my favorite. To secret military weapons testing. I placed last week a rather large 1880s pipe organ on the back of a truck. And as I was driving up Highway 169, as the wind whistled through the old pipe organ, every note was going and whistling. It sounded like I was driving with a tank full of whales behind me. It was like dolphin music. I could have fallen asleep. People fall asleep to that music, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. I've oh, seen well, this. Oh, was that? I've, that was Flipper. a dolphin. Yeah. Go for it. She did it already. I missed it. Oh, uh, you were talking. Sorry. That's all I get, is it? One go. <laughs> yeah. One dolphin impression. You can listen to the archives. Oh, <laughs> yes. Which are available on SoundCloud.com. <laughs> if you type in MQTA radio, I can listen to what I'm missing on my own radio show. I'll be sure to tune in next week and miss all the stuff I didn't get first time round. Because I'm old, bald and doddery, apparently. <laughs> For the love of Christ. Oh, there we got it in the end. People in France have just taken a swig of Courvoisier. Fantastic. Good times. Good times. God works in mysterious ways, doesn't he? How is your shin? Painful. Not so good. Not so good. I'll just fill in while you're crying and rubbing your leg. This furniture's very sharp, isn't it? What did you put on that? <laughs> we filed it nicely, didn't we? <laughs> You're dark and evil. I've not filed any pointy furniture. <laughs> Beware of the pointy furniture. Thanks. This is what happens when you don't do dolphin impressions on command. This is karma alive as we live and speak. Mm. <laughs> As it turned out, however, the noise was actually coming from the midshipman fish. The midshipman fish. Yep. What does it taste like? Chicken. Fantastic. <laughs> Chicken of the sea. Of the sea. Yeah. A particularly unusual nocturnal species, which begins singing at midnight. <laughs> All night parties. <laughs> to help attract a mate. This uh, is not a fish. That's not a it's like fish. a drunk guy. It's a teenager. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a drunk guy. They later interviewed the fish and it said, I love you, I do. You're my best friend. You are your family. What's it singing? This is what I want to know. What's the worst thing? It's singing New York, New York. No. It's stumbling out That's of the bars. That's not seductive. It's drunk, isn't it? Start spreading the news. Shut da, up. Da, I'm da, leaving. Da. It's people trying to get to sleep. I'm gonna leave. <laughs> when the moon hits your eye like a big pizza pie. That's a moray. No, that's an eel, I think. <laughs> oh, yeah. Right. Yeah, that's not <laughs> when a that thing on the reef shows its big rows of teeth, that's a moray. <laughs> <laughs> I swear to God, we are banning coffee from the studio. So it's singing Dean Martin numbers is where we are. I'm glad we got to the bottom of that. Their peculiar sound and behavior was previously documented by Charles Green back in 1924. Green referred to the midshipman fish as California singing fish and said, Professor Andrew, it's either bass or bass. Take your pick. It's bass. I'm going with bass. Great. Andrew Bass, who headed up a new study on the subject. 
we discovered that the females are also sonic, but it's only territorial males who build nests and produce the hum to attract the females to those nests. I've hmm. seen this on the television. They had boathouses and people were living by the side of the shore there. And it's a deafening sound. It's driving them insane. They don't know how to get rid of it. According eat to the them. researchers. <laughs> You're going to eat a choir of singing fish. <laughs> Please wow. don't eat me. <laughs> I'm never going to eat anything that looks up at me from the plate and says, Please don't eat me. But I'm hungry. I've had nothing to eat all day. Where's your philanthropy? But I don't want to be eaten. What about if I just ate a leg? Fish don't have legs. Seahorses do. No, they don't. <laughs> You're just a, there must be a fish with a leg. Can we have a tadpole? Does that help? No. That's a frog. That's not a frog. It's an amphibian. Fish with legs. Tell me there's a fish somewhere that's got legs. There is actually a fish with legs. A walking fish. That would yes. be one of them walking fish. That's from... Um, Evolution? Yes, Darwin? Yes, Darwinism. Sorry. Yeah. I need more coffee. There's a thing called a blenny, and I think it skips across the mud when the tide goes out from rock pool to rock pool, from water to water in little ponds or little puddles here. And mm. there. I made a word up then, a poddle. Puddle. I'm making my own compound nouns. Yeah, a poddle. It's moving from poddle to poddle with little legs. Is I don't think a, they work. Is they that just a hang pug there. crossed with a poodle? No, that's a pond crossed with a puddle. <laughs> 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 Try and keep up. It's important. I tell you what, if you've missed it, why don't you listen <laughs> to the archives? <laughs> I knew that was coming. <laughs> what goes around? According to the researchers, it is melatonin, the same hormone that helps humans sleep, that prompts a fish to wake up at the correct time and begin their nightly courtship performance. Singing for a mate. It happens. Okay, I shall bear that in mind. That brings to an end the round that is UFOs and cryptozoology. We now move into the last round of the evening that is called Strange and Bizarre. the stories from around the world. That are too strange and too bizarre not to read out live on air, but don't fit easily into any other category. Heather, you're on zero. What have you got for me tonight in the round of Strange and Bizarre? I've got something that might interest you. Fabulous. I've got a squirrel hunter accidentally kills his wife in El Dorado <laughs> County. <laughs> a squirrel hunter <laughs> accidentally. <laughs> accidentally kills his wife yeah. squirrel hunter <laughs> so that's, that's a profession is it apparently <laughs> what does your dad do he's a squirrel hunter he's out hunting squirrel i thought my dad was squirrel. a fireman i thought my dad was also a policeman and i thought my dad was in the navy and i thought he was an amazing man to do all these professions and it turned out he was a stripper uh, I didn't know any better when I was a kid. So a profession is a squirrel hunter. Apparently a Sacramento man who was hunting for squirrels in El Dorado County accidentally shot and killed his wife. Deputies who said was dressed as a squirrel holding a giant nut. <laughs> it was his birthday. She thought she'd surprise him in the bedroom. Should've she'd dress up hair. as a giant squirrel. What do they yeah. call that when people dress up in animal costumes and go into Nuts. the woods for shenanigans? Nuts. Oh, yeah, what is that? Fluffies or furries? No, or? they're furries and they're furries. yiffing. Yiffing? Yiffing. Um, yeah. You seem to know a lot in this area. I, I forget that. Is that a really good, long, hard yiffing or is that just a casual yiffing? It, it really is. Don't give me that look. I'm just... <laughs> 
She's got Mother it. Goose costume at home that she can double up and use. I learned it from CSI. Thank you very much. Oh, You're yeah. learning all your knowledge for this show. From CSI. From CSI. Yeah. I wondered how much you knew about Singing Fish and where you got all that from. <laughs> I remember the CSI Singing Fish episode really well. They have insect ones and everything. Can you imagine there's an outline in chalk on the floor in the shape of a giant fish? Grissom taught me about yiffing. 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 It's fun to say. It is kind of fun to say, actually. I prefer the word poddle. <laughs> they have uh, furry conventions, just so you know. They're anyway. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Lilo. Lalo. Called 911 about 5.15 p.m. to report that he had shot his wife, Mivang, while hunting in the 10,500 block of Wentworth Springs Road in Stumpy Meadows. I want a house in Stumpy Meadows. (laughs) Stumpy Meadows. Hang on, that's a stripper. (laughs) That's a really bad one. Yeah. She's friends with Bridget the Midget. (laughs) Look, it's Bridget the Midget and Stumpy Meadows. She's got one leg. (laughs) You have to pay extra for that. The things that woman does with that stump. (laughs) Once first responders arrived at the area... Lau took them to the area where Vang died from the gunshot wound, officers said. Lau was detained and was cooperating with investigators. Based on information and evidence, Lau was released without criminal charges. So if you want to shoot what? your wife... No, there's, there's interesting information here. If you want you to shoot... You quit taking notes. Uh, if you want to shoot you... I'm not married. <laughs> if you want to shoot your wife... Dress her up as a squirrel, say you're a squirrel hunter, (laughs) and a terrible, terrible accident has happened. (laughs) This is the way to go. You are now on a remarkable three points. Michelle, the last story of the evening in the round of the strange and the bizarre. He'd swear a horse did it. He'd swear a horse did it. (laughs) Oh, okay. There's many a woman woken up with that on a Sunday morning. Probably not. Not in this state. (laughs) In Europe, probably. Dublin shop owner hunts for man who repeatedly defecates outside of his shop. It's the return of the Phantom Teller! God, I love that. I could do that for an hour. I want an hour's show where I'm just doing that. Please don't. Happy. Clever Buys owner Alan Buckley from Finn Glass told The Independent <laughs> that he didn't believe it until he saw the he CCTV thought, footage. He thought it was a horse. Yep. He must have been storing that up. <laughs> Someone keeps coming up and ship pooping outside the <laughs> shop, he told The Independent. It's wow. very upsetting. Oh, my. You'd want to have your breakfast before you come in to work because you'll not eat again after looking at it. Oh. What accent was that? Irish. Okay, thank you for sharing that with me. <laughs> Irish, it was better. <laughs> I, there is going to be no no coffee. Mm. No more coffee. <laughs> What do you mean? <laughs> it's taken you seven episodes, has it? I've had this for three years. My hair never used to be grey. Drink more coffee. <laughs> or tea. <laughs> the, Try this tea. The bars are closing. I want to go home. Okay. He pulls up in a car in the middle of the night 
does his business and then <laughs> drives off. The first incident occurred near the Clever Buy shop on Clune Road last Thursday, September 15th, and occurred again on Wednesday, September 21st. So he doesn't go regular. Mm-mm. He no, saves it all up. Intermittent. <laughs> I like the idea that the police have got an investigations room with a map on the wall, and there's little drawing pins stuck in it with string. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> little brown drawing pins. Oh, God. There's been another accident on 2nd Avenue. You're pushing he little pins. He said accident. Accident. <laughs> I haven't got a clue why he's doing it. He's doing it in a public area outside a row of shops. It's disgusting. Doing it, doing it, doing it right. Mm-hmm. Doing it, doing it, doing it right. The first one was just horrible. The smell and all. <laughs> That's excellent. Keep going. You'd swear a horse did it. You swear a... <laughs> God, that's, that's Scotty from Star Trek. <laughs> I thought it was a Lucky Charms man. Yeah. You kind of changed the laws of physics, Captain. If I hadn't seen him do it on CCTV, I wouldn't have believed it. Ellen said there's no excuse for this kind of behavior. Yeah. You can do it in a bush or in a 24-hour shop. We have in the, aisle two. Mm-hmm, we have the cheapest toilet roll in town. Wow, that's yeah. something to brag about. Mm-hmm. Alan said during the second incident, the man was there for 45 minutes. Oh, wow. straining. Probably. Just hanging. Yeah. That's terrible. He probably <laughs> bursted a blood vessel in oh. his eye or something. <laughs> oh, no. Dead man's grip. Oh. Three people drove past <laughs> and thought he was doing an impression of Winston Churchill looking pensive. I think shapooping in the street isn't his only problem, said Alan. From CCTV, Alan described the man as in his late 30s. Who gets 45 minutes left on their own? Even when I'm in the bathroom, someone wants to come in. 45 minutes. Who gets 45 minutes to have a clear run at that? That's almost meditationary. Why do you need that long? That's meditation. You could meditate and line up all your chakras. He's dropping chakras outside of shops. 45 minutes. You could plan your V. Well, he said a horse. It looked like a horse did it. Wow. It's massive. (laughs) Jeez. Wow. Put a flag in it. It's got its own zip code. (laughs) Believable. Anything else you want to add? Nope. You're done, are you? Yep. Fantastic. She's pooped. I'm There will be letters of complaint. <laughs> we now enter the round that is called Not For Your Mother, which means you have found our archives. The round of Not For Your Mother is a round where we read out the stories from around the world that can't be read out live on air for fear of upsetting those that are easily offended. If there's any small children in the room or your mother's sat there innocently knitting, they need to be removed. A 21-year-old Australian has been labelled the unluckiest man in Australia after he was bitten by a spider on his penis Oh, for the second time <gasps> his penis? in second? five months. Apparently, sucking the poison out first time was too good not to do it again. <laughs> he shouldn't be looking for them. The tradesman said he was bitten by a red-backed spider while using a portable toilet at a work site. Mm. It was his first visit to the portable toilet since his last encounter with a spider. <laughs> She still writes, apparently. He said, adding that the bite occurred on pretty much the same spot. Oh, This one is a bit sorer. It seems like it got the better shot at me 
this time. Fangs for the memory. It's a sharp, really intense pain at the start. It's redder, a bit more swollen. It hurts a bit more. That sounds like your second time, Michelle, doesn't it? <laughs> Redback spiders, known for the distinctive red stripe on their upper abdomen, are native to Australia and are found across the country. About 4,000 bites occur a year, including about 250 requiring anti-venom. The bites oh. which cause intense pain, swelling and nausea can he be loved it. deadly. But no fatalities have occurred since the anti-venom was developed in the 1950s. Oh. Health authorities in the state of New South Wales confirmed that the tradesman attended hospital this week. He said the nurse at the hospital started giggling after he described his injury. It was the swelling. It wasn't his injury they were laughing <laughs> Yeah. Well, no. it, was, it was the swelling that caught her eye. <laughs> Bag of frozen peas to cubicle four. Everyone was laughing, calling me the unluckiest man in Australia. No, that's Mel Gibson's PR expert. Yeah. Asked how he felt about being bitten twice. He said, I think I'm very unlucky, to be honest. I was in the wrong place at the wrong time. Again, are we taking bets for a third? How is this even possible? Because I'm thinking if a man stands up to do the business, mm -hmm. if he's having a gypsy's kiss and he's standing up, then it's dangling away from anything. So unless it's a jumping spider, the only thing I can think of... Is that he was really big and it was hanging down. That's one possibility. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I can only think of two reasons. It was a jumping spider. <laughs> okay, I can only think of three reasons. <laughs> I was thinking that he sat down. He's not... Outside a shop in Ireland, he's not doing horse defecation. He sat down, and it was underneath the seat. And, he, you know, as a man, you tuck your, your bits down, and uh, he's in there again. <laughs> this is what... You don't think it's just laying across like a Subway sandwich? Laying across? Laying across what? I your lap. He's got a foot long, is he? That's your lap. In my mind, he does. <laughs> Yeah, where are you at? Wow. Man. Chicken McNuggets, that's where I was at. You you tuck it under? Have you never considered this before? No, must... it doesn't make any sense because it might touch the poo. Uh, what? <laughs> You'd have to be pretty impressive. That would have to be some Subway sandwich if you've tucked that under and it happens to hit anything that comes out on the way throw it's just gonna nudge it to be fair what if it's got a weird curve in it yeah <laughs> i've seen a few in my day last friday michelle saw a couple oh there we go everyone take a shot i'm thinking have you never considered the idea that if a man sits down he has to tuck his twick and berries into the bowl because you're going to be weeing at the same time have you never considered this? You can do both at the same time? Yes. Can oh. you not? Can women not do both You're at the same time? You're magic. Yeah. I'll show you some magic. Come here. I don't want to see your wand either. Now you see it. Now <laughs> you don't. don't. Look at that. That's magic. Wingardium Leviosa. This could be magic. Magic. I'll be sawing a woman in half later. <sighs> God. <sighs> Michelle, what have you got for me tonight in the round of Not For Your Mother? Melbourne crime boss accidentally shot himself 
in the testicle. Wow, it's all happening in Australia this yeah, week. Yeah, it's a place to be. He's tucked a gun down his pants, hasn't he? That's what he's done there. Yeah. Mm, it's solo now. <laughs> it's not not hand, hand, hand solo. <laughs> I'm just going to go into my room and do hand solo. The son of a murdered Melbourne crime boss pulled down his pants and started crying when he thought he might die after he shot himself in the groin. Uh. A bullet grazed Omar Chahuk's testicle after <laughs> I know after he reached into his pocket for a cigarette accidentally shooting himself with a gun he had in there. The Every li- time he goes jogging, he whistles. You can hear him jogging down the street. He's going... I can't whistle. All the dogs in the neighbourhood are following him as he's jogging down the street now. I'm thinking it's, of Clint Eastwood. It's a whistle. Did Clint Eastwood blow a hole in his testicles? I don't remember that one. Was it just one? Yes, just the one. Just, just the, the one. He's got two. He's yeah. got another one. He'll mm-hmm. be fine. He'll right. be fine. You don't even need to. Does it deflate after that? Gone. I don't think there's going to be much left, to be honest. Does it go in the middle? I've never shot myself in the <laughs> testicles. There is the possibility that I've he could have put it through if, the middle. I've often wondered if you can twist them around like this. You can get. <laughs> for the benefit of Ooh, our listeners, Heather's doing. I got doing, a sympathy pain and I don't even have Heather's doing the universal sign of someone twisting their t- You spin me right round, baby. I had a friend that went on a holiday to the Greek islands and came back with strangulated testicles. He didn't explain what was happening, but I've got a good idea. You can get them to twist around, and it's very painful, and they swell up. You can strangulated get strangulated testicles. I was wondering where the choke mark was going. Strangulated yeah. testicles. It's true, I tell you. It's a very, very so painful you can do it. condition. I'm not planning on doing anything live on air, so I'd share that with you. That's the after party. For the benefit of our listeners... I'm trying to replicate strangulated testicles. <laughs> Bear with me. Carry on, Michelle, while I twist them oh. around. Son of the late Makur Chauk, the 25-year-old pleaded guilty on Tuesday to being a prohibited person in possession of a firearm over the accidental shooting in 2015. He also pleaded guilty to theft of a sports car in January of 2015. Two months later, Chauk drove off in an acquaintance car after brandishing a 22 silver handgun and telling the owner that he believes Siberian gangsters were after him. Mm. Yes, they are. He tried to call a mutual friend as Chauk became increasingly agitated and yelled at the man to get out of the car. It was a week later, on March 17th, that Chauk shot himself with the same gun while reaching into his pocket outside a friend's house in Caroline Springs. So he's now got mm. a lifesaver. Well, mm. it was Paddy's day, so... Nice. Mm. Yeah. He wouldn't be celebrating, though, would he, I'm guessing? Mm, no. He pulled on his pants to check the wound, said Prosecutor Catherine Parks. He asked her if he was going to die and started crying. Oh, wuss. Big, tough gangster. Wuss. To be fair, if I've shot myself in the twig and berries, I think I'd shed a tear. Just saying. Did you? Let's see. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, the abuses. <sighs> You've just threatened to shoot me in the testicles on air, have you? Great. <laughs> the woman friend drove him to the hospital where he told medical staff he had accidentally shot himself while playing with a pen gun. 
Doctors oh. found a five millimeter bullet point entry near his navel and abrasion and swelling on his right testicle. Chaok was discharged from the hospital the next day and arrested by the police. His defense say Chaok has an intellectual disability which could reduce his moral culpability over his offending. Wow. He's only half the man he used to be. He's got an intellectual disability, so he shot himself in the berries. Mm. Miss Morris, what have you got finally tonight in the round of Not For Your Mother? I have a naughty woman. Uh oh. She's very naughty. Naughty. Yes. And now it's an all time low for Xmouth. Xmouth? Yeah, that too. Okay. <laughs> this will be in Devon, I'm guessing. <laughs> well, she was performing in a sex act in public on a dinosaur. What? On a dinosaur. <laughs> yes. A really old guy? <laughs> no, like Dino, like Barney, like dinosaur. Do you think they saw us? Oh. oh! It was there. That Everyone was... thought of it. An explicit image showing an individual partly naked straddling an Exmouth Dino Trail model was met with shock and disgust after it was shared on social media yesterday. One parent told the Echo, I worry as children play with these dinosaurs. I was disgusted. I feel sick to think that children were anywhere near that. There was only two horns, so it was a biceratops. Oh. The head of the model was removed earlier this month. It's been removed. Yes, so she was doing it. With the, um, the stump? Appendage. The, the neck. The neck. Mm. What? Yes. Some people it find was, some strange was, hobbies and interests. It was a baby T-Rex in an egg. And it was located beneath the beacon and had already been damaged by vandals. So she was grinding on the neck of the headless I don't remember dinosaur. seeing this in Jurassic Park, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> Organizer of the Exmouth Dino Trail, John Thorogood, said, I saw the image on social media and was completely disgusted by it. I went to a school with a boy called John Thorogood. I wonder Could if it was be him. Same. Could oh, be him. bad to the bone? Look into the... <laughs> Uh, Dino bone, whatever. <laughs> You're making your own jokes up. I know. There's no bones about it. It was clearly a deliberately posed photograph of a very immature adult engaging in a sex act. Whilst we have had some deliberate damage to the dinosaurs in past weeks, this episode brings things to an all-time low as far as these important and very popular assets to our town are concerned. I hope the police are successful in tracing this woman and dealing robustly with it. Other incidents of mistreatment of the models include a life-size stegosaurus, don't do it, Adrian, <sighs> located at the Strand, having its tail removed on Friday, August 19th. I don't want to know what you're doing with the tail of the Where stegosaurus. Where does one get a replacement tail for a stegosaurus? Dinosaurs are us. I told you I'd try to replace it. Dinosaur hut. Let's go to Dinosaur Hut. They've got a reduced buy one, get one free stegosaurus tail. Do you think they'll find it in my house? That's all I'm asking. I think it's unlikely. I'm pretty sure. That it's going to end up in the Midwest Plains of Minnesota, <laughs> having been removed from a dinosaur park in Exmouth in Devon. The chances are thin. I would suggest. So I'm safe is what you're saying. Yes, you've got away with it. <laughs> You'll be fine. Would you like to see my tail? No, I'm good. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs>
Well, all good things come to an end. So let us look at tonight's scores. In last place with the K2 meter and the dead battery, there is a tie. Heather Morris has scored three, and so has Jay. But in a resplendent first place of winning the $33,000 IR camera, Can I guess? Oh, could it be? Remarkable points. Rigged. Do not fear, listener. Remember, we will be back with a whole new rig show <laughs> next week. And I would love for you to join me at the same time for a fun and informative journey through the world of the paranormal, strange, intriguing, bizarre, and weird. Please tell your friends and family about the show and feel free to contact me anytime via my Facebook site. More questions and answers with Adrian Lee. You can also join my Twitter account at Adrian underscore Lee underscore tips. And remember, we do an extra 20 minutes of the show now in our archives that we can't read out live on air and around called Not For Your Mother. My gratitude and greatest thanks for extended to Lorna Hunter, Heather Morris, Chaton Trainer, Michelle Corey, and all at the International Paranormal Society, intparanormal.net, and all of the show's sponsors, including the Lakes Area Paranormal Interest Group and MUFON of Minnesota. It just remains for me to say thank you for listening, and remember, be interested and interesting.